0: If you met the Apostle Paul before he became the Apostle Paul, back when he was known as Saul of Tarsus, you might not have liked him very much. He was a bit of a bully. Yeah, a strong-willed, incredibly driven guy who would not let anything get in his way. I mean, he he just wouldn't let anyone uh, let him go off course. He would bulldoze his way to uh, success and achievement. In particular, he put a whole lot of his energy and passion into his Jewish faith. And for him, the ends justified the means. This made him, by the way, a rising star among the religious elites known as the Pharisees. He was applauded for his fervent commitment to the, uh, yeah, to the traditions of Judaism, his unwavering commitment to the Mosaic law, and his courageous willingness to do what it takes to fight for the Jewish faith. Hey, don't, make, don't get me wrong. Being fervent about your faith and fully committed to following your faith is a good thing as long as that zeal is full of love. But when it came to Saul of Tarsus, it was hard to see any love. He was just one harsh guy climbing the ladder of religious politics and what came to be known as Second Temple Judaism. Zeal, not love, characterized him. Saw Saul, the followers of Jesus, as a threat to the very fabric of Judaism. With his intense drive, he was, he was determined to eradicate this new movement of Christians and preserve the old ways of the faith that uh, he held to so, so very passionately. His, his reputation as a relentless persecutor of Christians went far and wide. The use of violence and bloodshed was, was it was totally justified in his mind. Uh, The more he persecuted the followers of Jesus, the more he gained approval and respect from the Pharisees he was a part of. Friends, can a young man so hardened in his ways change? Can a man committed to violence and bloodshed leave all of that behind him? Is change even possible? When you're stuck in your ways, stuck in your addictions... When you're doing things driven by the approval and applause of others, that often ends up hurting other people. When you're in the grip of strong, entrenched behavior patterns and beliefs, can you change? When it's really hard, is change possible? Let's pick up Paul's story as the Apostle Luke gives it to us in the book of Acts. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation uh, in the arrest of any followers of the way to be found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in change. Friends, what kind of human being is eager to kill other people? Or if he can't kill them, you know, bind them up with chains and drag them back to a prison, to await trial that could eventually lead to their deaths. Friends, Saul is not a nice guy. He is addicted to power and position and will use violence to achieve all that, believing that he is serving God. And friends, serving God with zeal but without love, that can be among the most dangerous and hurtful. Well, yeah, you can just, those are the dangerous, hurtful people in our world. As we read on in the ninth chapter of Acts, Saul, with uh, letters that gave him authority to violently apprehend the followers of Jesus, is approaching Damascus in Syria to carry out these orders. But all of a sudden, a blinding light enveloped him. He fell to the ground, trembling and and, and bewildered uh, in the midst of this radiant light. And then a voice spoke to him. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And the voice of Jesus, the very one whose followers he, he was trying to destroy, spoke to him. Saul is confused. This is not yet the moment of his conversion. He is stricken with blindness and led by his companions into the city of Damascus. Once in the city for for, for three days, Saul fasted and prayed uh, according to his Jewish faith, trying to figure out what had just happened in the meantime. Ananias, a a disciple from Jesus, got a vision from God telling him to go to Saul and that God would use him to restore Saul's sight. God told Ananias that Saul was God's chosen vessel to proclaim Jesus to the non-Jewish world. Ananias didn't want to go because he was afraid of Saul. God, this Saul guy's a bad dude, don't send me. Still, Ananias chose to obey and and came to where Saul was, was, was staying. Then he laid hands on him. And friends, this is powerful stuff. And as he laid hands on him, scales fell from Saul's eyes and Saul could could see again. And not just physically see. Saul now understood what was going on. He understood that he had been one evil guy, one bad dude, and that he just had this powerful, loving encounter with Jesus, God's son. Saul after some teaching from Ananias, then confessed his sin and proclaimed his new faith in Jesus through the waters of baptism. The persecutor of Jesus became the one proclaiming Jesus. The adversary became an advocate. At that moment, Saul of Tarsus became Paul the follower and eventually the apostle of Jesus Christ. And the change in Saul's life as he became Paul is profound and visible to all who knew him still. There are a lot of Christians who continue to be really afraid of him, fear him. We read, all who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the man who caused such devastation among uh, Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked, and didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? Are you sure we should trust this guy, right? Paul's conversion was not merely a change of allegiance from Judaism to Christianity. It was profound transformation of his heart and soul. The fire that once burned for the eradication of Christianity now blazed with a passion for spreading the gospel. Paul now had a heart full of love rather than hate. So now the tables turn on him and the persecutor, he now becomes the persecuted as he became the enemy to his own people, the Pharisees. Yet, He's undeterred by threats and dangers that are all around him for choosing to follow Jesus. And with a heart full of love for people who did not yet know Jesus, he gave the rest of his life to share the message of Jesus. Now, I'm not going to say that it was like real easy and happily ever after, but it, but it was life to the full in the service of Jesus. He faced imprisonment, shipwreck, and numerous hardships, yet he pressed on. Near the end of his life, he wrote this to a young man, Timothy, who he was mentoring. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. There is a, three-year, three, there is a three-word phrase we use here at Fort City to, to describe the Christian journey, life, Transformation, adventure. Friends, when we come to Jesus, when we turn from our past and our sin and we start to follow Jesus, Jesus gives us the gift of life. A new life that starts now and goes on forever in eternity. Life. Life. And as we follow Jesus and and surrender our lives fully to him, as we ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit, God does a work of transformation in our lives, changing us to look, live, and love more and more like Jesus. Friends, that's transformation. Transformation. And when we come to Jesus and we receive the gift of life, And then every day we we surrender our lives to Jesus, seeking to be filled anew by the Holy Spirit so that our lives are transformed. Then God is able to lead us into the great adventure of living on mission for Jesus, where we make a difference in this world for Jesus. And like the Apostle Paul, this life of adventure is not always easy, but friends, there is no life like it. Adventure, life, transformation, Adventure. This is the journey you need to be on. This is the life you need to live every day. And if Saul of Tarsus can become Paul the Apostle, that means any of us can become transformed people who leave the ugly mess, the dirty stuff behind, to become people full of love and then influence for God's purposes in our world. Thinking about what God did in Paul's life, taking him on this journey of life, transformation, and adventure. I wanna give you four things that are needed, uh, four requirements that are necessary for you to experience lasting personal change. Four things that lead to real change that that sends you out to live on mission for Jesus. First, number one, change. I mean, if you really want to change, it requires learning and facing the truth. Change always starts with the truth. King Solomon writes, learn the truth and never reject it. In other words, you have to face truth. To learn the truth is to face the truth because what's the opposite in that verse there of rejecting the truth? It's to face it and embrace it. It's accepting that this is true about me. It's it's admitting it. It's admitting that the truth about me is I am addicted. The truth about me is I am a people pleaser. The truth about me is I am incredibly selfish. The truth about me is I am not honest all the time. The truth about me is I am a bully. A lot of times we know the truth but we reject it. The secret to personal change, you need to hear this. The secret to personal change is not willpower. It's not about pills, it's not about resolutions. It's about knowing and facing the truth about you, about who God is, about your problems, about your family, about your past and growing up. It's about the truth and embracing that it is true. This is what Jesus means when he says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, there's something that I think you could do here, something practical. I think you need to, uh, each of us needs to spend some time alone with God, asking God to help you write it down some in some sort of journal to write down, what is the truth about me? Write down in a journal, what are the good things I know about what's true about me? And what are the bad things I know that are true about me? And then take that list to your spouse, your partner, a few close trusted friends, and ask them to look at your list and What would they add, both good and bad, and what would they take off of your list? Maybe maybe you're just being a little too hard on yourself. This is a scary, I get it, this is a scary but powerful exercise to do. But if you're at all serious about wanting to see some lasting change in your life, you really need to do this. You need to get a good handle on the truth about you before you can be set free. The reason why you don't want to do this is because the truth is often uncomfortable. Pastor uh, Rick Warren says this, the truth will set you free, but first it makes you miserable. (laughs) Truth to that, isn't there? We kind of like to pretend that everything is all right. Just like we we see of some of the people in the Old Testament, they have the same problem. Uh, Listen to Isaiah. He says, people say to God's messenger, don't tell us the truth. Just say things that will make us feel good and things that we want to hear. Let us keep our illusions. It's kind of like you choose to watch only one channel of the news or only look at one internet site for your news. When you do that, you're just picking the news provider that says it the way you want to hear it. I mean, you understand what I mean. If all you do is watch Rebel News or if all you do is watch CBC, you're not getting the whole truth because you don't want to hear an opposing view. Just thought I'd throw that in there for your benefit. But anyways. This week, the uh, staff team studied an article by uh, two guys I know, John Bowen and Jerry McClung from Wycliffe College and Anglican College, which is part of the University of Toronto. The report is called Finding Faith in Canada, a study on how Canadians become Christians. In our time together as a staff team, Lucas said he was surprised to find out that Dealing with sin in our lives and being forgiven for sin was one of the last reasons why a Canadian would choose to become a Christian. And I think a, a, a lot of uh, um, pastors would be surprised like Lucas was because, yeah, that we we're, were raised, we're taught that, but sin's a big deal in the Bible, right? But it's not for the average Canadian. Canadian adults, for the most part, do not come to Jesus because they're concerned about sin in their lives. It's far from their minds. Why is that? Well, for one, Canadians just don't like the word sin. And more importantly, Canadians don't think of themselves as sinners. We don't see ourselves as sinners in need of a savior. We do have, we know we have hurts and hang-ups that we'd like to see Jesus heal while not acknowledging the role we played in those hurts and hangups, the sin that was a part of it all. It's kind of a catch-22 situations or, or circular reason We want to get better but we don't think sin is a part of our problem. Friends, we have to understand the truth that we are all in the grip of sin. That sin is part of the problem that is blocking the life change we want. The Apostle John says this, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We need to name our sin. Yeah, to to say that sin is not a problem in my life, friends, that's just a lie that we buy into. Hey, all of us easily, that's me too, buy into lies about what's going on in our lives and we suppress the truth. The world that we live in, as well as the evil one in the unseen world, speaks these lies into us and, and we grab them and we hold on to them. Those lies then kind of become truth for us, but yeah, they're still lies. What you must understand is how in your life, behind every self-defeating defect, like what, for example, might make it difficult for you to get along with others or whatever, behind every self-defeating defect or behavior in your life is a lie that you're believing. I'm believing a lie about happiness and, and what brings happiness. I'm believing a lie about God and what he's really like. I'm believing a lie about myself. I'm believing a lie about my past. I'm believing a lie about other people, about my life. I'm believing a lie about what real success is. I'm believing a lie about what's going on in my life right now or about my past, my past failures, my sin. I'm believing a lie about that. This is why the first requirement for personal change to reset your life is to learn the truth and face the truth about yourself. What is the truth about you? What is the truth about me? We are all broken. We are imperfect. We have defects. We all have flaws. We make sin. We make mistakes. We all sin. Friends, we must embrace the truth about ourselves. This, what I'm doing, this pattern is a bad pattern. This is a bad habit. This is a bad attitude. We must embrace the truth about ourselves before we can be set free, before we can experience lasting change. The next requirement, the next thing we must realize, number two is lasting change requires new thinking. Now this follows along closely with the idea that we must learn and face the truth. Friends, all this happens in our minds. The battle is for our minds. And so the battle is in our minds. We talked about this last week, so I won't spend a lot of time here. Let me give you another Rick Warren statement. You aren't what you think you are, but what you think you are. Now that's a bit of a tongue twister, so let me say it again. You aren't what you think you are, but what you think you are. Make sense? Apostle Paul says, there must be spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. This is what the Bible means by the word repentance. Um, That's another word like sin. That's not very popular in our culture. We just picture some street corner preacher yelling with a sign, repent, you sinner. I don't think most people really understand what the word repentance means. It's a Greek word, metanoia. Meta meaning to change, and noia meaning your mind, to change your mind. That's all that repentance means. It means to change the way you think, why? Because if you change the way you think, it will change the way you feel, and the way you feel will change the way you act. So we're talking a change in your mindset, a reversal in your mindset, a U-turn, a mental U-turn. That's repentance, that's the way change happens. And what are we changing to? The Apostle Paul says, let the same mind and attitude be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Friends, we want to think like Jesus so that we can live and love like Jesus. This is the new thinking that is required. The mind of Jesus that we find in the words of the Bible. And that's why this Bible reading plan we have for Lent is so important. This is how you get the mind of Jesus. You read his word, and as you read God's word, you make a decision to live like Jesus, and you pray for the help of the spirit to do that. Okay, a third requirement, and we talked about this last week as well, but number three, lasting change requires community and coaching. The apostle Paul had a coach when he first came to Jesus. That was Ananias. Ananias helped Paul understand his experience with Jesus on the Damascus road, showed him that he needed to repent of his sin and ask for God's forgiveness, taught him all about baptism. After his baptism, Paul went away for three years in the Arabian desert to study more, and I suspect to get a bit more coaching from who we call the desert fathers, some of the first early Christians, Paul had some great coaching. Friends, we we just need to help each other and hold each other accountable as we change and grow. The Apostle Paul says this, by helping each other with our troubles, uh, you truly obey the law of Christ. And the Apostle Paul, he, he played this coaching or mentoring role in Timothy's life as we see in the two letters Paul wrote to Timothy. And I would simply say this, every Christian needs a Paul in their life someone who's further along in the Christian journey than they are to encourage them and coach them in the faith. And every Christian needs to be appalled to some other Christian, encouraging and coaching people who may not be quite as far along as you are in their faith. Where do you find these coaches and mentors? Will you find them here at Church? You find them at the men's breakfast or Bible study, at a women's Bible study, at the Alpha Course starting on Wednesday at Parent and taught Tuesday mornings, youth group, other small groups. Check out fortcity.info to see what groups are happening. Yeah, you need some sort of spiritual director, coach, or mentor to help you with the lasting life change you want. God made us to live in community and to find the support we need in community. And that includes coming to Sunday worship. Sunday worship is a powerful part of the community we need so that we can grow and change. It's a place where we can find mentors and spiritual friendships that we need as well as good teaching and transcendent worship. Okay, one last thing. And you saw this very powerfully in the story of Paul we told at the beginning of this message. Number four, lasting change requires the Holy Spirit. This is a Holy Spirit supernatural deal. You must understand that what we're talking about today, the bottom line is we need to be filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit so that this supernatural life transformation can take place. True lasting life change only happens through a supernatural work of God through the Holy Spirit. Yes, we do have to learn and face the truth about ourselves. Yes, we need new thinking. You need community and mentors. But all of this simply creates the environment we need for the Holy Spirit to be able to work in our lives. And it creates the environment so that we don't fall back into our old ways or, or if we do happen to fall back into our old ways, we live in an environment that encourages us to get up again. But without the Holy Spirit, all we got is self-help. And we are not talking self-help this morning. We're not talking simply human effort all by itself. Yes, there is effort on your part, but only God can make those transformations in your life. Only God can transform a hard heart into a soft heart. It's internal Holy Spirit empowered change. Here's what God would say to us through the prophet Zechariah. This is the word of the Lord. You will not succeed. Are you hearing this? you will not succeed by your own strength or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You, you can't transform yourself on your own willpower. Willpower is not enough. And the truth of our lives is we didn't collect all of these hurts and bad habits and hangups overnight. And for most of us, we're not going to eliminate them overnight. It's gonna take time. And for many of us, it's gonna take the rest of our lives. Now, some of us, we will see instant radical change. The Holy Spirit does that. Some of us will see change happen quickly in one issue or one area of our life or another. But most of us, because we, we have a lot of stuff to work through, right? It will be a slow process of incremental change for the rest of our lives. It will go on until we reach eternity and become fully who God intended us to be. Friends, won't it be awesome? to be 100% who God created us to be. Heaven will be so sweet. That day is coming. That day where you will be perfectly who are you meant to be is coming. Until then, until eternity, the Apostle Paul says to us, as the spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him. As the Spirit of the Lord works within us, it it takes the Holy Spirit in your life. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you every day because every day you leak a bit. I tell you, we all leak every day a little bit of the Spirit. We do, I do. So as the Spirit works within you, you become more and more like Jesus. And while there can be incredible moments of instant life change. For most of us, it's a gradual step-by-step incremental process from now to eternity. Let me just uh, wrap all this up by asking you these questions. How serious do you want this? How serious are you about changing your life for the better? How serious are you about finally dealing with those parts of your personality that not only bothers you but irritates everyone else? How seriously interested are you in getting rid of the fears in your life and the worries and and the self-centeredness and the laziness or the procrastination and the excuse making and, and the anger and the jealousy? How serious are you about getting rid of the insecurity that's in your life? Do you really want to change? the better then you need to do these, th- these four things we talked about one you must face and embrace the truth about yourself two you must embrace new Jesus centered thinking three you must become part of a church community and seek out a mentor a coach a, a spiritual director and most importantly number four you must ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit and just don't ask once you ask every day, Holy Spirit, fill me, fill me anew, lead me through this day so that I can live and love like Jesus. Will you join me in a moment of prayer? I'm going to pray first, and then I'm going to invite you to pray with me and make that prayer your own personal prayer. But first, let me pray. Father God, as we come to you this morning, I know that every one of us have, have struggled with harmful patterns. Bad habits and self-destructive behavior as well as weakness, character flaws, and defects. That's just true of all of us. There are some here today and listening online who, who are in a broken relationship that's stuck, that's cold, that's dying. Others are struggling with habits or hurts. For some, fear is totally out of control in their lives. And as they become more fearful, they become more controlling, hurting other people. God. God, would you give every one of us the courage to take the first steps we need to to receive your healing love right now. Now I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Just pray this in your heart with me. Take these words and make them your own prayer. Father God, help me to face the truth. Just ask him. Help me to spend time in your word every day so that I would learn your truth that sets me free. By a work of your spirit filling me, help me to think new thoughts, your thoughts, your thoughts about me. I know I can't do this on your own. I need your Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, I'm surrendering my life to you. Come and fill me, fill me with your spirit today. Lord, whatever changes you need to make in my life, starting right now, I'm open, I'm available. I invite you to do that work of transformation in my life. And friends, if you've never opened up your life to Jesus, you've never really committed yourself to following Jesus, would you pray this prayer with me right now? Just pray this with me. Jesus, come into my life and begin this change process. Little by little, helping me to become the person I've always wanted to be, who you created me to be. Jesus, I'm, I'm asking you to save my life and change my life. In your name I pray, amen.